It doesn't change fundamental things. And in this business, right is still right, even if you stand by yourself. We don't get again. No, no. Live across the fruited plain and from sea to shining sea, we are converting the Marxist left one hour at a time on the Wendy Bell radio program. America and beyond the fruited plain. Welcome home to the Wendy Bell Radio Program, your source for common sense conservatism. We love having you. We're wrapping up a busy, busy uh, work week, and it's been a busy week for the House and the Senate. For these Judiciary and Oversight Committees, my goodness gravy, my friends. Do we have some interesting sound from these various meetings yesterday? Some people look really, really bad. I got to tell you, really bad, as I believe this censorship apparatus that we all see squeezing through various aspects of our life and gripping us and trampling our ability to see and say what we wish. It's a lot deeper than that because it's going on in the halls of Congress, too. One side wants to silence another, vice versa. No matter how you slice it, ladies and gentlemen, it's un-American. We're going to talk about that. Big show today. Lots going on. We've got a specific focus on Canada as well. Remember anything that happens there. We are about to walk through. We are usually just a few months away. So got to talk about crazy Canada. Lord Farquaad there uh, ruling like the little tyrant he is. And we're going to get to that here in just a moment. If you're new to the program, welcome home. We're glad you're part of the family. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. Specifically, which has me angry this morning, is a little Senate judiciary action yesterday. I'm not one usually for the Senate. I find them to be long-winded. But there are some fireworks that tend to emerge. Yesterday's wasn't necessarily fireworks. And before we get to the meat and potatoes of what happened, How many of you are younger siblings, right? Brock is, I am. A lot of you are, you have an older brother, older sister, maybe multiple older brothers and sisters. As a younger sibling, I believe we have a very unique perspective because when you're younger or the youngest, there are specific rules that are made (laughs) by your siblings that aren't apparently applicable to them but they are to you and i liking it i liken it to calvin and hobbs great cartoon calvin ball where calvin and hobbs every single time they play something 
The rules can never be the same. They're always different. The strategy is different. The rules are different. Penalties are different. Sometimes it's inside out. Opposite day. This is, this is where we are. This is how I grew up with an older sister. We would play stupid, innocuous things. And lo and behold, right as I was about to make it cross over the finish line, my little guy on chutes and ladders had passed, you know, all of the pitfalls and was right. Re- and then boom, all of a sudden there was a new rule that came and I would end up losing. You don't need to do that many times to be the victim of a Calvin Ball judgment by somebody who bigfoots you out of the way uh, before you know exactly what's going on. Life isn't fair. Rules are oftentimes not followed. But when they change mid-game or they change mid-Congress, you have to kind of open up your eyes and say, what? And that is what happened yesterday. So what I want you to hear is a couple audio segments from this Senate Judiciary Committee hearing in which Senator Dick Durbin breaks Senate Judiciary Committee rules and completely disregards all sorts of let's say 234 years worth of precedence to force an illegal vote on the subpoena, the ability of the Senate to subpoena private individuals. There was no debate on this. They weren't talking about it. There wasn't robust conversation. Dick Durbin on this and several other issues yesterday said to his Republican colleagues, basically, buzzer off. I'm not listening to you. We're voting whether you want to or not. It's the new rule. The Senate Republicans were dumbfounded. They didn't know what to say, but boy, did some voices get very heated. How dare you? How dare you break precedent? Because do you realize once you do this, it's sort of like impeaching Donald Trump. Once you travel this path, You open up a very ugly can of worms when the pendulum swings back your way. He's warned that by Senator Tom Tom Cotton. You're going to hear some voices. Marsha Blackburn, John Cornyn, Tom Cotton, John Kennedy to a lesser degree. Lindsey Graham sounds very weak. But I want you to hear this power play as the Republicans in the Senate are absolutely flabbergasted that Dick Durbin is trampling 234 years of congressional precedent and silencing debate from his Republican counterparts. Here's audio soundbite sound one. Sorry, we've already had done that uh, at great length. Well, I think um, this deserves some commentary um, given the nature of the nominee, and uh, I'd like to ask to speak on the nomination. Senator, we've debated these two nominees twice. Mr. Chairman, I would also like to speak on the nomination. I I understand what you'd like to do, but I'm saying that in fairness, we have debated these nominees twice, and I ask the clerk to call the roll. Mr. Chairman, you're denying us an opportunity to speak on on a nominee. Third time, no. Okay, do this. We don't have a right to speak under the rules? Under the third third time, I'd say no. So you're you're just going to make it up? Yeah. I'd like There's going to be a lot of consequences like coming here. To, Mr. You're going to have a lot of consequences coming if you go down this road. You better I've cautioned it. you. I've cautioned a lot of you. The clerk will call the rule. Listen to me. I've cautioned a lot of you. Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, don't we get the opportunity to speak? We're in a roll call. 
So you're even, telling even us to shut up? Even though multiple you members have asked to You want us to, to shut up? Is that what you're saying? A lot of people didn't speak on the two nominees before. We've done. I would you raise your hand if you did not speak? I did uh, not have a chance. Senator Corn didn't even have a chance to speak. Senator Blackburn had a chance to speak. We've got several folks, Mr. Chairman, who didn't have a chance to speak. We want to tell you again why these nominees are awful. Mr. Wells. Or in Senator Corn's case, tell you for the first time. You're just going to sit there and ignore us? Senator Blackburn, have you spoken on these nominees? I've not had the opportunity like to? to speak. I would like very much to speak on Mr. Casabai. I urge you to let Senator Blackburn speak. Senator Corden as well. Senator Corden hasn't had a chance to speak. That's correct. Mr. Grassley. Point of order, Mr. Chairman. You, you can't limit debate without invoking Rule 4. You haven't done that. We have debated. Mr. Wow. We, we've, de we've debated on prior occasions when we didn't have a quorum. That vote didn't count. We've got people who are here now who weren't here then who would like to speak. Can we speak on the other nominees? Roll call vote continues. Or is, your, or is your plan just to end all debate today? Is your plan to end all debate? Yes. You have an answer, you're going to rely on someone whispering in your ear. What's your plan? What's your plan, Senator Durbin? To silence anybody who wants to talk about these judicial nominees, anybody who wants to push back on this ridiculous granting of the right to, to dig into people, private individuals to subpoena records about them specifically targeting rich, wealthy friends of Sam Alito and Clarence Thomas. Did you understand what was going on there? Normally, we have this ability. Everybody has five minutes. Why don't we have our five minutes? We don't have anything. We're going to a vote called the Vote Do It Now. And the Republicans are absolutely baffled. And it continues in this audio soundbite. I want you to hear this. Lindsey Graham... Speaking out, he sounds a little drunk, but there's more give and go as the final part, Dick Durbin votes aye. Go. No. No, no, we're not. We're, you can, yeah, okay, listen, here's the deal. We worked seven weeks to trying to solution the asylum problems. You boycotted the committee. Mr. Chairman, I, I don't know if you've left us any alternative but to deny the committee a quorum. They're speechless. This hasn't happened in 234 years. I tell you what, Mr. You Cotton says the chairman needs to rethink his decision yeah, and let I, Senator Corn and Senator Blackford speak. That's what Mr. Cotton says. You, you mark that down as my vote. <laughs> yeah. And everybody think, over there who's not willing to look at me or look at Dick Durbin needs to think about it as well. Ooh. Mr. Kennedy wants to speak as well. Mark Mr. Cotton now saying Mr. Kennedy needs to speak this too. This is how ridiculous things are, ladies and gentlemen, in our Senate. Mrs. Blackburn. I'm waiting to be heard on the nominee. I've requested several times to be heard on the nominee. You don't get that privilege anymore, well, no, Marsha. Senator Durbin's not going to allow women to speak either. I thought that was sacrosanct in your party. Holy cow. Look, everything that happened yesterday. Michael Schellenberger and Matt Taibbi, the guys who released the Twitter files, thanks to Elon Musk and his commitment to the, to the First Amendment, speaking out a year after busting open the Twitter files. They report it's worse than we thought. It's in the freaking Senate. House or Senate Republicans not allowed to speak. 
This is where we are when Congress plays Calvin Ball. Quick time out. We'll get into this more next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. All right, so as we have the Senate Democrats acting like children. And so this sets a new precedent. When we win, when we regain control of that chamber, we're not going to let you talk. We're not going to let you have questions. We're not going to let you be involved in the process, which has been going on since 1777. All right? That's what's going to happen. Childish. Then there's this. Do you guys remember the name Cassidy Hutchinson? Do you remember this woman? Because she was a star. January 6th witness. She was the woman who came out of relative obscurity with this deep, dark, firsthand personal knowledge of what Donald Trump did the day of January 6th. He wanted to get over to the Capitol. He lunged for the wheel. Right? He was in the beast in the presidential limo. We, first of all, the, the president doesn't sit in the front seat. So it's not like he was like, hey, Phil, let me have the wheel. Right? He'd have to be in the back and like lunge over the and, and Trump even said he's like, that's idiotic. That never happened. Well, that didn't stop Cassidy Hutchinson from spewing this. Well, how about this headline? Justthenews.com. Democrats star J6 witness Cassidy Hutchinson made significant changes to her story. Memo shows. Wait, wait, what? What's this all about? Because I remember listening to her testimony with great intrigue. Normally, revisions to depositions and transcribed interviews involve fixing typographical errors. Cassidy Hutchinson made major changes to her earlier January 6th committee testimony that legal experts say is, quote, entirely new testimony. So what she said on the stand in front of the January 6th committee, in front of the American people, was something totally different when she and her attorney went back and retracted some of those facts. And by the way, the videotape, of her testimony, closed door and in front of, is missing. It's gone. It's part of the materials that Benny Thompson, I didn't think we needed that anymore. Right, Calvin. Three months after she testified as the Democrat star witness at the January 6th congressional hearings, former Trump White House aide Cassidy Hutchinson submitted significant changes to statements and information she had provided in transcribed interviews with the House of Representatives dating to February 2022. This is according to what's called an errata sheet reviewed by Just the News that was kept from the American public. It's 15 pages long. It was recently uncovered by Representative Barry Loudermilk, and it includes significant changes to Hutchinson's account of key events at the Capitol riot, including including what Secret Service vehicle transported Donald Trump to the January 6th rally, whether guns were at the Washington, D.C. rally that preceded the riot, and what she knew about a meeting where Hang Mike Pence chants were allegedly made. This is, this is kind of significant, friends. 
The errata sheet contained a digital signature from Hutchinson approving the changes. Legal experts among them, Alan Dershowitz, say, oh, oh, my gosh, these aren't corrections, Dershowitz said. They constitute entirely new testimony that should be subjected to cross-examination. So, so wait a minute. Before we even are half of an hour in today's program, we have audio video evidence of Democrats breaking congressional precedent and silencing conversation ahead of key votes, including key votes to allow the government to subpoena friends of conservative Supreme Court justices. Meanwhile, of course, what's her face? Sonia Sotomayor, who's accused of using her staffers and forcing places that wanted her to come be a keynote speaker, forcing those venues to buy by the thousands her books. That's called a quid pro quo, ladies and gentlemen. She's made millions of dollars off of that. She's okay. George Santos is the problem, but Bob Menendez with gold bars and a half a million dollars coming out of his pockets, he's okay. Do you see what's going on here? Cassidy Hutchinson, star witness who had breathtaking testimony about a deranged, unhinged Donald Trump. Three months after that testimony, slithers back door and says, yeah, mm, about that, um, we'd like to make a few minor changes, like all of it. Are you out of your mind? Benny Thompson, in all his infinite wisdom as the head of the January 6th committee, didn't, didn't even respond to, to a request for any kind of comment about this how do you bring forward somebody like a christine blazy ford that would be the equivalent of her on live television destroying trying to destroy the life of brett kavanaugh and then three months later going back door and saying you know what i gotta change my testimony it wasn't him it was this other guy are you out of your mind no these are the games of Calvin Ball. This is when you change the rules, when you're about to get ensnarled by them. And so you twist and you change. And if you're good at it, you simultaneously accuse one of your opponents of doing what you really did and creating a smokescreen. They're so disgusting, it's not even funny. Coming up next on the Wendy Bell Radio program, the house moves to shatter precedent further by expelling George Santos. Matt Gates rolls in. Oh boy, it's next. You gotta love the George Santos conundrum. We're in quite a pickle here. It's actually fantastic. George Santos, by you know, all by all our investigations and reviews of the things that he has done. <laughs> he's a fraud, right? He, he's a fraud. He was voted for by his constituents in New York, however. 
He lied about who he was, where he was, what he did, where he came from, how much money he had, where all of it, where he went to college, blah, 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 whatever. So the guy is, is, is fraudulent. So I have to ask, do you want the guy who lies to get in or do you want do you want the guy who lies to stay in? This idea that George Santos needs to be expelled from Congress, and it's interesting. There's two ways people get expelled from Congress, and there have been six people expelled from the House in history. Three of them were sympathetic to the Confederacy and the Civil War. So one, you are sympathetic to the Confederacy of the Civil War. I think we've moved past that epic. And number two, you have to be found guilty of committing a crime. George Santos has not been found guilty of committing any crimes. They might want to try him or dig deeper into him because of his alleged spending of campaign money to get clothing for OnlyFans, whatever he's doing there for Botox, shopping, what have you. That might come down the road, but that's not where we are right now. He has not been found guilty of anything. So again, you have Democrats and Republicans trying to get rid of this guy who is duly elected by his constituents. They want to set a new precedent. Hey, you know, whatever your district is in New York, we know better than you. We're going to decide to overrule you. This is like the Judge Erdogan in the Donald Trump case, in the in the business valuation case saying that if I don't like how the jury rules, I'm just going to wave my magic wand and overrule them. Is that how the process now works? Is that is that the Calvin Ball rules we're now playing by? Sounds like it. And you know something's up when Kevin McCarthy weighs in on this. I had to find this for you guys, okay? This is on USA Today. Kevin McCarthy on George Santos. Have I been saying Soros, by the way? I hope not. Kevin McCarthy on George Santos. Something's going to come out on this guy. You've got to love how much they enjoy when somebody else gets caught in the crossfire because it gives them a little bit of breathing room like cockroaches coming out in the darkness. Former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy said in an interview Wednesday that he had a, quote, gut feeling. (laughs) Did he have a gut feeling that he sucked? No, he had a gut feeling a revelation was going to come out about Representative George Santos, quote, within one year of winning the midterm election. McCarthy is such a weasel. Who's more weaselly, he or Gavin Newsom? I don't know. McCarthy told New York Times reporter Andrew Ross Sorkin that he tried to get somebody else to run in Santos's district. But at that point, Santos had already kind of locked down and you couldn't beat him. People liked him. They voted for him. Quote, I go up to a fundraiser, do a fundraiser for him. I listen to him and I walk back and I just say, we should not fund this race. I don't know what it is, he said, but we should not fund this race. Oh, Kevin McCarthy was with his sixth sense back then, I'm sure. So this story, this story is using Kevin McCarthy, who's already who's already widely panned as being unethical, sleazy and a complete complicit rhino yuck. Right. He's going to come forward and say, I knew something was weird with that guy. So the story is they want to get rid of George Santos. 
He's broken the law. Ethics Commission uh, Committee said, oh, this egregious over abuse, blah, blah, blah. Like it's worse than what anybody else has done with insider trading or special favors or tipping off construction. So-and-sos are getting illegal donations or the PAC money or whatever. George Santos, well, he crossed the line. And this is where a fascinating conversation comes in with Matt Gates. Matt Gates uses his five minutes to say, I'm not here to defend George Santos. I, I really don't care about George Santos. This isn't about that human being. It is about the precedent that you are setting, that you want to set, which is so dangerous. You cannot change the rules because you know the rules are about to bite you in the butt. In audio soundbite number one, he sets it up. And number one says, the guy's not been found guilty of a crime. And without that, you don't have the power to expel him. Listen. Mr. Santos hasn't been convicted of anything, but we haven't even moved to expel the people who have. Mr. Bowman pled guilty to a misdemeanor for his little fire alarm stunt weeks ago. So like, while the Ethics Committee is marching to throw George Santos out of Congress, they take no action as to someone who actually pled guilty to a crime? What's that all about? What is that all about? It's an excellent point, and you have to love. The vote is today, so we'll see what happens with this vote for George Santos, whether, Cong- whether, they, whether the House will expel him. It'll take a lot of Republicans joining in. That'll tell us a lot about these people. Every single vote is illustrative of where these people are on the continuum of suck. Do you believe in the Constitution, in MAGA, in freedom, in rights, in the struggle that our forefathers went through so that we had this union? Or are you about willy-nilly making up the rules as you go along because you're dirty? In audio soundbite number two, well, I should say that George Santos, yesterday before the end of the business day, (laughs) I love this, he introduced an expulsion resolution of Jamal Bowman. Oh, yeah, you guys want to get rid of me? He's been, he's pled guilty to a crime. And yet we're not having this conversation with him. True. Matt Gates, audio soundbite number two, brings up a name from the past. Do you remember the name Duncan Hunter? You might not. Matt Gates does. Go. Let's also talk about this precedent. The fact pattern as to Mr. Santos is remarkably similar to the fact pattern of former Representative Duncan Hunter. Duncan Hunter used campaign money on girlfriends and trips and home improvements and all sorts of personal lavishes. He was indicted for those crimes and continued to serve in Congress. He pled guilty to a number of those crimes and continued to serve in Congress. He was in Congress for like an additional pay period after having pled guilty to the very same things that, were, that, that Mr. Santos has been indicted for. And so I think it's, it's persuasive to me that Mr. Higgins and Mr. Nell's two law enforcement officials with sterling reputations are here, not necessarily to defend Mr. Santos, but to defend this precedent and this due process that is being shattered. This due process, this precedent that we've had here for 234 years since the first Congress. This is the 118th. And with one fell swoop, one vote, you're ready to throw all that in the dumpster. And the reason is, in audio soundbite number three, that the Democrats, in, in by and large, say 
is because these new rules are better. It's, it's better. It's safe and effective. Now how much would you pay, right? Wait, don't answer. There's more. There's this snake oil sales pitch. It's for the greater good. Are you buying what they're selling? Go. And I was struck when the author of this resolution said the quiet part out loud. He didn't try to shoehorn the expulsion of George Santos into some existing construct or precedent. He said, yep, we're making a whole new precedent. We're making whole new rules right now. But he defends that by saying that the new rules are better, that it's a higher standard. So we should just throw away everything that's happened from the first Congress to the 118th because the new precedent is more robust. The problem is it's a lower standard for due process. Don't let that get in the way, please. Okay, Santos was indicted on 13 federal charges, including wire fraud and money laundering. All right. House Republicans voted to support Kevin McCarthy's decision to refer a a Democratic led expulsion resolution to the House House Ethics Committee in May so that Santos would, quote unquote, have due process. So they found that he did all these things wrong. They're They're recommending his expulsion. But wait, but wait, whatever you're saying that George Santos did that he's not been found guilty of. Let's talk about what's going on over in the Senate with Bob Menendez. Go. Mr. Speaker, whatever Mr. Santos did with Botox or OnlyFans is far less concerning to me than the indictment against Senator Menendez, who's holding gold bars inscribed with Arabic on them from Egypt while he is still getting classified briefings today. But he's not getting thrown out of the Senate. He's getting classified briefings under indictment for bribery. But what, what, because Santos was was buying Botox and OnlyFans, we got to throw him out? But don't forget, of course, before... George, or before Bob Menendez recently got married, his fiance killed a man in her car and fled from the scene. Not only was she not arrested, she wasn't even breathalyzed. Now, that seems like a very convenient two sides of justice here. And finally, Matt Gates drops this. It is beyond dangerous that the people in this House chamber believe that their views, their judgment is better than the will of the people who elected George Santos to be their representative. If George Santos is convicted, he ought to be expelled. But until then, it is an incredibly dangerous thing for people in Washington, D.C., to substitute their judgment for the judgment of voters. Winston Churchill said that, you know, in, in, uh, a, in a democracy, people get the government that they deserve. Well, the people of Mr. Santos's district elected him. And, like, this is not some district in rural Mississippi with, like, one newspaper. This is New York City. And George Santos rolls in there, wins, and you know what? It's between him and his voters him and the justice system, and the fact that the Ethics Committee has done this incredible violation of precedent will do grave damage to this institution for many years to come because now there is no requirement of any conviction. There is a departure from the precedent from the Duncan Hunter matter and many others, 
and I, I fear what that uh, may indicate lies ahead for the future of due process in the House of Representatives. It means there is back. no due process. If this is the path we're going to take. Look, I found something yesterday that, that falls along this line, and it's, it's, it's giant. Catherine Herridge, next to Julie Kelly, one of what, two or three remaining journalists with integrity? She tweeted something out yesterday regarding a, a money laundering investigator going over the Hunter Biden crime family syndicate documents. They're going to want to cover this, this up in a big way. We're going to blow it out next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. All right, so we're going to hopscotch around today. Many themes going on, but they all kind of congeal. They kind of come together in one big blob. And the blob has a, has a sign on it that says, we are going to take from you freedom. We are going to make up the rules. Not you, we. We're better than you. It's gross. Okay, so we're going to get back to, while uh, Senate Judiciary, House Judiciary, they were busy doing their own things yesterday. Over... In the House Judiciary Committee and House Oversight Committee, (laughs) there's some interesting things going on. Um, Digging into further the Biden crime family finances. Now, remember, these are the same people who aren't covering this story today, who lied to you and have repeatedly lied to you for the better part of two years, telling you there is no evidence. There's no evidence. He's not connected to his kid's business. They're not business partners. There's no evidence he profited. If you forgot about those voices, I'm going to bring you back a little refresher course here. Here's one. They're not putting forward any evidence that Joe Biden received any of this money. Republicans have not tied the president, uh, Joe Biden, to profiteering from them. There is no evidence that Joe Biden directly benefited from anything that Hunter Biden was doing. The majority sits completely empty handed with Mm. no evidence of any presidential wrongdoing, no smoking gun. Completely empty handed. Those absolutes, Jamie, they always come back to get you in the butt. Then there, of course, if there's uh, zero evidence, not a shred, one has to enjoy not even a scintilla. Here's Hakeem Jeffries. There's not a scintilla of evidence <laughs> that Republicans have produced None. to show that President Joe Biden has engaged in wrongdoing, Mm-mm. an impeachable offense, or in any way has broken the law. Mm. Why? Because there is no evidence. None. That exists. None. Ladies, and there is no evidence. There's not all those suspicious activity reports, all the shell companies. No. And then there's, here's that wackadoodle. What, Jas- what's her first name? Something Crockett. Is Jasmine. it Jasmine? Yeah, from she's Texas. On, she's on with Joy Reid. Here's a, a meeting of the rock star minds. Enjoy this one. One of the things that most people aren't talking about is he not only sent out this subpoena, he sent out a subpoena to the president's um, brother. He sent out subpoenas as well to um, Hunter's wife and so many family members. I mean, he is going after their entire family, just looking and hoping that somebody will slip up and say something that will give them a leg to stand on and be able to say, see, we told you. Mm. But that's not how the process works. Mm. What you're supposed to do is say, you know what? I see something and I need to dig in further. Instead, they're saying, we don't see anything, (laughs) but if we dig, maybe we'll finally find something. That's not how the process works. See, you're supposed to say, we see something and we're going to dig into it. Sort of like the insurrection right january 6th that wasn't a setup 
and everything that comes off of it. Is that is that what you mean, Jasmine? Like that's how the process is supposed to work. And you're just so amazed that they're going after the Biden family. Sort of like how you guys have been obsessed with the Trump family, haven't Ivanka and the and the boys, Eric and Don Jr., haven't they been dragged in all of these stupid hearings? Oh, they drown. Oh, my God. They're going after the Biden family. This is interesting. Catherine Herridge posts a fascinating bank record exposing the Biden business dealings and a troubling threat from China. Here's your story. Red State. CBS's Catherine Herridge broke down a fascinating Biden bank record that the House Oversight Committee posted Wednesday. The bank record was a 2018 email purportedly written by a money laundering investigator who was raising questions about money flowing into accounts connected to Hunter Biden. She posts a picture of it and says this bank record from GOP oversight probe of Hunter Biden, Biden family foreign business deals, described as email from money laundering investigator, quote, payments appear erratic does not appear to have any services rendered, no current business purpose. And China targets the children of Joe Biden. Wait, what's this? So the email termed the entity high risk. It noted that $5 million from the Northern International Capital Holdings funded 16 wires connected to a Wasco PC. That's Hunter Biden's law firm. The payments were indicated as management fees and reimbursements, says that they found it unusual that 58 percent of the funds went to the law firm in the course of just a few months. Payments appear erratic. And this despite the fact that Hudson West didn't appear to have any current investment projects. So there was no current apparent business purpose. There were also no services rendered by the law firm. The email by this money laundering investigator flagged. The email also noted there was negative news about extravagant spending by the beneficial owner of Owasco PC, Hunter Biden, including, quote, drugs, strip clubs, prostitutes, etc., that could leave his family in a financial hole. And perhaps one of the most interesting things in the email Highlighted news about a threat from China. China targeting the children of politicians and purchase of political influence through sweetheart deals. Ladies and gentlemen, that was 2018. The email concluded it might require a, quote, re-evaluation of the relationship with the customer. Democrats desperate to jump to Hunter Biden's defense, of course, trying to point to other emails to claim that what this one that Catherine Herridge found and flagged by a money laundering investigator who flagged it himself and said, Houston, we got a problem. This dude's making gobs of cash. The lion's share of it in several months for services that we don't even know were in existence with no product that was ever delivered. This is suspicious as balls. Nothing to see here, ladies and gentlemen. No evidence they want to tell you. Please. All right, don't go anywhere. Coming up next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program, the White House working with YouTube to censor talk about COVID and the vaccine. 
I got kicked off of, I got permanently banned because of this on YouTube. If you think I'm angry, you will be too. Next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program.